Hello, and welcome back to a brand new episode of The Closing Track. My name is Brady Karens. If you aren't familiar with this show, The Closing Track is a podcast where I go through an artist's entire discography, but only judge it based on the last track of each album. And this week, I'm going to be talking about the rap group Clipping. Um, but before I get into that, some quick um, housekeeping stuff. So, as I mentioned in the Perfume Genius uh, episode, this is another episode that is in my bulk recording of I'm doing this all in kind of one day. So, um, although this will be a week apart, it'll be the same day for me. Um, And I'm going to, you know, I still have to edit some of those older uh, episodes that I have not edited yet because it's the same day. Obviously, I'm still recording it. But I wanted to talk about the uh, something I mentioned in that episode, talking about the full album discussion, where I talked about doing either a Thousand Gex or Oliver Tree, talking about full albums as like a bonus episode. So I have since decided to make those uh, Patreon exclusives. So by now, um, it will already be out, I believe, if I got it done in time. It's hard to say. I have a lot of editing ahead of me and we'll see if I get it done in time. But if I do, it will not be available on like any of the public podcast listening stuff or on YouTube. It will be on Patreon. So I don't think Patreon will have been linked in the description in the first two episodes. I can add it in post, but it will be on the Perfume Perfume Genius one and this one now that I am aware of it. Um, I'm also going to edit in me talking about this in the old one uh, or I'll figure out how I want to go about it. Um, But or maybe I'll just leave it alone and this will be the announcement episode where I talk about it. Who knows? I haven't decided yet. But, yeah, so any of those full album discussions or any, like, bonus episode stuff will just be on the Patreon. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a behind um, a bit of a paywall. But as of right now, it's set to, like, a dollar a month. So if you if you really want to listen to it, it's on there. It's just, you know, uh, I believe the tier I set it to is the opening track. <laughs> so it's, like, the opening tier of our Patreon. Uh, I'm going to add some more stuff on there to make it a little bit more um, worth the, the you know, worth your while, I guess. And uh, I just need to update it because it's still set to the old podcast I ran, so I need to clean it up a little bit. And hopefully by the time this comes out, like I said, it will be cleaned up and ready to go. But, yeah, so last week we talked about Perfume Genius. Um, it's a great episode. I, I had a lot of fun doing that one. Hope you enjoyed it. Um looking you know i don't have feedback on it because i haven't posted it yet it's always weird doing these bulk recordings because you're kind of talking both in the present and the past um but i wanted to talk about clipping this week and so um if you are unaware of what clipping is it is a band slash experimental hip-hop group that consists of david diggs as the main rapper slash vocalist and then producers william hudson and jonathan snipes so I mainly just think of clipping as David Diggs. Obviously, the producers do their own work plenty, but I think of, you know, he's the face of clipping to me. Um, And I know you might be thinking, because in the last couple episodes, I have mentioned listening to Hamilton and watching Hamilton and just being Hamilton obsessed. Uh, No, this did not prompt me to listen to clipping. I've listened to clipping prior to Hamilton, um, but it has had me thinking about throwing it in, you know, talking about it on here. The discography is really interesting, and if you have not checked them out yet, well, for starters, if you're a Hamilton fan and you're like, man, I really like this guy that plays Jefferson Lafayette or whatever, you're it's 
the rapping is very similar. Obviously, the music's very different, but you're probably going to get a kick out of it regardless of the, the, the content or source material or whatever. Um, but Clipping is a very unique um, hip-hop group. Like I said, it's experimental. So there are a lot of different weird themes within uh, their music. But their first album was uh, titled Mid-City, and that was in 2013. And then they put out Clipping, which I guess you could call it self-titled, but they titled it slightly differently, which was in 2014. And then... Um, it is Splendor and Misery, which was in 2016. And then their Existent Addiction to Blood was put out, I think, in 2019. And their Existent Addiction to Blood and Splendor and Misery are very conceptual albums. I'm going to talk about them when I get to them. But the tracks that I'm going to be talking about today are uh, Outro off of Mid-City, which was aptly titled. These are the closing tracks we'll be speaking about. So if you haven't listened to them, check them out. Williams Mix off of Clipping. Um, a Better Place off of Splendor Misery, and Piano Burning off of Their Existent Addiction to Blood. So there are some very unique things to discuss about clipping, like I said before, jumping into these tracks. my But first, let me, I guess, talk about my relationship with this group. Um, my introduction to clipping was Their Existent Addiction to Blood, very similar to Perfume Genius. I was a little late to the party, but um, that one got pretty good buzz so I, I backtracked and listened to some older stuff um there exists an addiction of blood and splendor and misery are very unique albums that i will talk about their their subject matter in a bit but there existed an addiction of blood specifically i will say is very scary almost like horror-based rap album which was very strange to me but i kind of enjoyed a lot of aspects of it um mid-city is one that i don't really listen to all that much i listened to clipping the self-titled a little bit and splendor and misery quite a bit as well um, but yeah, let's kind of talk about themes when it comes to closing tracks. And it's kind of hard because I, like I said, there's different concepts going on in these different projects, but, um, there is somewhat of a consistent theme between these. Like I've said, you know, with different artists, they have different ways they like to structure their closing tracks. And there is a theme here. Um, uh, I guess minimalist. I know I kind of said that with Perfume Genius, but this is a whole different level. So instrumentally, are, uh, you know, the, usually there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on in the mix. Um, but lyrically, there's very little. Almost in some of these tracks, by by the way, there's nothing going on. Um, like I said in Perfume Genius, the in that episode, you know, there's very few words. But in this I'm talking, there's like none. It's usually a lot of just the lyrics that are being or uh, a lot of the instrumentation that is present here. But on outro, aptly titled for a closing track, very creative. <laughs> uh, the right, the the annotation here says, this outro is a tribute to experimental minimalist composer Steve Reich, who produced similar repetitive compositions like It's Gonna Rain and Come Out. So this is just get money on a loop. Like they say, get money, and it's just on a loop. That's the whole song. So there's not too much to say about that. Um Mid City, I don't believe was um, like a concept album like some of these other ones, uh, and they put it out on Bandcamp, and it says that it, it's mainly about um, like inner city life. That's mainly what the the project is about, and this one's just get money in a loop. So if you're talking about the theme of the album is just living in a city or specifically inner city, sure that makes sense thematically. That's maybe a rallying cry for people that might you know live inner city, you know. Like I said, it's hard to analyze some of these tracks, but I do think that there is a lot of value in some of the later albums in discussing their closing tracks. But 
this one, I don't have all that much to say. And unfortunately, on Clipping, their self-titled, their next album, Williams Mix, is kind of the same deal. So the annotation here writes, This track is an interpretation of experimental composer John Cage's music concrete piece, Williams Mix. So let me say, there's no lyrics on this either. It's just an instrumental, and it's all over the place. It's mainly like sounds just kind of thrown at you, like a soundscape. Um, but they write, the score, written in the early 1950s, was originally intended for eight simultaneously played overlapping magnetic tapes. According to William Hudson in an interview with Atwood Magazine, Clipping paid Cage's publisher a fee for the right to perform the piece and is a completely faithful performance of that piece. This isn't even theirs. This is just them re-performing this piece. And it's mainly just noises like from a city, kind of like on uh, outro on Mid-City. So... This is another soundscape, kind of. Um, and I'm going to play just some of it just so you can kind of get an idea of what I'm talking about. Yeah, so another one that is difficult to analyze. I think even the Get Money on the last song on outro, there's more to analyze there lyrically than on this one. Um, just because it's just a, a recreation of a soundscape, basically. Now we get to Splendor and Misery, and the closing track on this is... Um, it's titled A Better Place. And I'm going to talk about Splendor and Misery a lot, uh, just as an album. So it's an experimental concept album. Uh, and this is the description here. There's many contributors to this. And it's just widely known that what this album is about. But so Splendor and Misery is an Afrofuturist dystopian concept album that follows the sole survivor of a slave uprising on an interstellar cargo ship and the onboard computer that falls in love with him. Thinking he is alone and lost in space, the character discovers music in the ship's shuddering hole and tripping instrument panels. William and Jonathan's tracks draw an imaginary sonic map of the ship's decks, hallways, and quarters, while David's lyrics ride the rhythms produced by its engines and machinery. In a reversal of H.P. Lovecraft's concept of cosmic insignificance, the character finds relief in learning that humanity is of no consequence to the vast, uncaring universe. It turns out, pulling the rug out from under anthropoth anthropocentrism oh God, is only horrifying to those who thought they were the center of everything to begin with. Ultimately, the character decides to pilot his ship into the unknown and possibly into oblivion, instead of continuing on to worlds whose systems of governance and economy have violently oppressed him. Before the album's recording, Clipping's members read sci-fi books from black writers like Octavia Butler, N.K. Jemison, and Samuel R. Delaney. The title of the album is a reference to Delaney's unpublished novel, The Splendor and Misery of Bodies of Cities, and the sequel to Stars in My Pocket Like Grains of Sand. In 2017, Splendor and Misery was nominated for a Hugo Award in the category of Best Dramatic Presentation, Short Form. In an interview with the New York Times, Diggs called Splendor and Misery the most explicitly political clipping album thus far, saying that the world we live in right now makes it pretty difficult not to be political. So yeah, that's a lot to take in, but basically the main takeaway you need to know is that this album is a concept album that follows the sole survivor of a slave uprising on an interstellar cargo ship and the onboard computer that falls in love with him. That's the theme throughout this entire album. 
pretty weird, but that's kind of their thing now. And and I'll talk about that again more when I talk about their existence in Addiction to Blood. But the closing track is called, like I said, Better Place. And we are going to go into some deep lyrical analysis. But first off, the annotation here is, in the finale of Splendor and Misery, cargo number 2331 reprises the Long Way Away hymnal, this time with the subtle implications that his journey is into the freedom of death. The AI of the mothership muses on the nature of humanity, time, and love, and then asks ask cargo number 2331 for confirmation of their jump into hyperspace, knowing full well that they're unlikely to survive the journey. So here's the intro. Here's the lyrics. If ever you find yourself beaten and broke and can't feel the whip for the weight of the yoke and fear that the night will not turn into day, remember the darkness will show you the way. It's a long way away. It's a long way away. And I'm all alone along along. Long, 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 long way. Is the annotations here right? This ties in with all the other uses of spirituals throughout the album. The protagonist throughout the album has grown to show understanding of the situation he's in, regardless of his feelings towards them. Here he comes to accept the situation as the ship continues to hurtle into space, although it doesn't play down the loneliness experienced. It's also the only point in this song from his perspective. After this, phrasing and wording lets us know that the AI of the ship is the one speaking here, similar to most of the album. The tone of these lyrics, as well as the repetition of long in the last line, suggest a certain degree of madness. The ending is an ambiguous one. It's clear that cargo number 2331 has come to terms with his situation, and the more positive nature of the beat on this song, as well as the epic wall of noise at the end, suggests a new beginning. At the same time, some lines indicate that he is still not over his old life on Earth. He accepts the loneliness, but it's damaged him physically and emotionally. So, I'm, I will say that this song, out of any of the closing tracks that I have so far discussed on this podcast, is the most complex. I think there's a lot going on here. Um... And that's just because it is such a conceptual album. There is such a big story that we're discussing here. And I like this track a lot, and I'm going to go through the full lyrical analysis. But before I do that, I, I will say that this is a really good closer to this concept. But as a standalone, I don't know if it works as well. Um, but let's go into verse one. Inside the man of a man is a massacre made up of many a miniature message and misses the most of it. So convoluted, designed for disaster. It's making the best of a universe far too expansive to cope with. And he never chose nor was chosen by metrics that make any sense. And the senses are numbed by emotional stresses. Um, so if we're assuming that from here on out, this is the ship talking and not the man, then yeah, it's just kind of talking about how broken this man is and, and uh, what he's had to deal with is completely out of his control. And, and he had no choice in what he's dealing with but then we have the hook of there must be a better place to be somebody be somebody else and this comes back after each verse but verse two is who got time on a string on a finger nothing to remember but the passage of it who got time to let anything linger where it hovers surely you will learn to love it who got time for this love shit anyway gotta survive isn't that mess enough for him there must be a better place to be somebody be somebody else um, so the, who got time, uh, the, uh, who got time to let anything linger where it hovers, surely you will learn to love it. Uh, our AI narrator poses the question, who got time to let anything linger? Because this is the turning point for the AI and our protagonist. It's when they decide what they're about to do. Um, and then we have verse three, set a course. It's a bet upon an endless roulette wheel. Odds are ungodly. 
as are the odds of the body making it through and surviving the gravity shift, the gravitas of which is lost from the lost thoughts of a being ch-ch-chopped to a bite size in the light eyes, begging don't eat the messenger, the messages and SOS and other S's in the language where it goes. Um, the, the annotation here writes that it is just as unlikely that the protagonist will survive on a planet as it is that he will find a habitable one in the endless roulette wheel that is the universe. He's been in space so long and has inevitably lost considerable muscle mass and bone density, but wants so badly to get off the ship that it doesn't register with him. Now the hook. There must be a better place to be somebody, be somebody else. Verse 4. And somebody got to keep watch where the watch stops. He talks about his pops in polarity. Fingers fantasize of rocks there will never be. Land ho, likely, lest a hole in the mantle of heaven. He's demanding the evidence for something that maybe never was for anyone. He's missing something pretty. He's missing where the air tastes gritty. He's missing the splendor and misery of bodies of cities of being missed. So the annotation writes about the wordplay here, about how the AI is saying, if cargo number 2331 is going to stop paying attention slash keeping watch because he's going into hypersleep again, then she's got to pick up the slack. But if the watches have all stopped because we're so far out in deep space that time itself is stopping, somebody's got to bear witness to that. Because cargo number 2331 considers himself the embodiment of time. The end of time is also the end of his life, and he deserves to have someone at his side. This person wrote, that's a hell of a lot of meaning for nine little words. And they're speaking on the line of, and somebody got to keep watch where the watch stops. I like the line of, he's missing the splendor and misery. It's the title of the album. Of bodies, of cities, of being missed. That that line there is um, talking about how he bodies he misses other people to see touch and communicate with cities more than just a physical entity cities are places where he can feel like he belongs where he had friends and family it's a place he could have home being missed everyone cargo number 2331 knew died in the breach which is a, a track earlier in the album or the events leading up to it nobody can miss him if he doesn't know anybody he misses knowing people he misses loving people he misses just knowing that other people miss him because they love him so much the fact that these lines name drop the album title is also pretty major. Um, cargo number 2331 misses everything about his past life, not just the good, but the bad too. This song is very bleak. <laughs> it's very depressing, but so is the album as a whole. The, you know, the theme of this album is this man kind of floating out in space, alone, um, with nothing ahead. So as a whole, the project is very draining, uh, depressing, but then this track it doubles down on that. Um, Next is verse 5. Flesh is weaker than the metal, it is true, but the metal's being moved into a thing it doesn't do. Circuitry is only serviceable as much as it is used, so why don't you use it till you use it up, abuse it. It is strong, it can take it if you, can, if you can't. Um, this one is kind of, you know, it, this is speaking, this whole song, other than that first verse, is speaking from the ship's point of view, and this is kind of saying, you know, how much it cares for the cargo, the, the man. Uh, and the ship is trying to convince cargo number 2331 to continue jetting around the cosmos, pushing his limits, and continue using the ship for companionship. It is implied through the album that the ship's AI has fallen in love with, or at least has a deep connection to cargo number 2331, and is willing to do anything for him to which he only does the absolute minimum to get by. It appears that cargo number 2331 does not desire to live anymore, or is at least severely depressed. Your sinews are more intuitively designed for dance. Well, it set up a random course safely away from suns. 423 by 112 by 51. Um, 
this is saying that this could be a reference to uh, Star Trek. <laughs> there must be a better place to be somebody, be somebody else. Verse 6. Inside the ma- mind of a man is a mystery made up of these centuries of mistakes he believes are important to be. Part of his DNA calls it history. Species with memories longer don't bother with sweating the old shit. Maybe it's this time-bound conscience that helps keep him, that keeps him out pushing through nothing with only the hope brought on by this belief that there must be a better place to be somebody, be somebody else. So this annotation is unreviewed, but it says species older than human beings don't record history or document events. They just exist in uh, their own brief periods of time. The AI assumes that because cargo number 2331 is mentally constrained to the idea of time, he continues to push into the all-black everything in the hopes that he finds a better place to live than in the custody of his former slave owners. Then we have the bridge. Are you ready to go? Are you ready to go yet? Let's go. Are you ready to go yet? Let's go. And that repeats. And then there must be a better place, better place to be somebody, be somebody else. And then the outro says, go. It's the the final line here. You know, it's it's unclear whether or not cargo number two three three one is hoping that this this jump into hyperspace will kill him. But either way, he's kind of at peace with it. Like I said, this song is draining. It's depressing but it fits with the theme of the album as, as a singular track. I actually do think it could work really well after doing this lyrical analysis, because I think there's a lot of themes that um, would be able to exist outside of this album as a concept. But yeah, I think it's really great. Um, and that's not to say I don't think Williams mix or outro are good closing tracks. I just think this is the m- one with the most to say, um, at least for me personally. So moving on to There Existed an Addiction to Blood, which was my album that introduced me to clipping. This is another concept album. So um, the this album, uh, they've kind of described it as being horrorcore. Um, it's a subgenre of hip-hop de- uh, defined by its transgressive lyrics and imagery, mixing horror films, tropes, and disturbingly violent lyrics. This... Um, so yeah, throughout here, there's a lot of you know talking about horror, old horror films, talking about vampires, monsters, that kind of stuff. Um, there's a lot of tracks that I really do like on here, talking about these themes. But the closing track is "Piano Burning," which is, uh, yeah, it's just the sound of a piano burning. For I can't remember exactly how long it is. I'm gonna check. It it lasts a pretty long time. I know that much. Uh, yeah, 18 minutes. It is just a piano on fire for 18 minutes. I kind of got to give them credit, respect. It's it's wild, but it's a really funny way to close an album. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a performance of a piece written by the avant-garde composer Ania Lockwood. Um, the piece, which was written in 1968, was the first piece of Lockwood's piano transplant suite conceptual pieces involving the destruction of pianos already ruined beyond repair and there's a quote here set upright piano not a grand in an open space with the lid closed spill a little lighter fluid on a twist of paper and place inside near the pedals light it balloons may be stapled to the piano play whatever pleases you for as long as you can um And this also says that this was technically the first previewed track three days before the album was properly announced. The band posted a brief teaser video of a flaming upright piano. Um, When asked about this song in an interview, uh, the band had, you know, some things to say about it. Uh, Producer Jonathan Snipes wrote or said, we sort of made it a rule that we try to end albums on performances of process music or contemporary classical music. 
Uh, I already love this quote. Just the fact of an artist or a group of artists actually talking about how they like to close their albums. That's what this show's about. That's what I like. I like closing tracks. I like when there is a conscious uh, effort to have themes within closing tracks or even just within albums. I just I love it. I, it's just I, I eat that shit up. So when he says that they made a rule to try to end albums on performances of process music or contemporary classical music, not only do I think that's true based on these closing tracks I've heard, but I just like that as a concept. But he said, we were tossing around ways to end this record, and piano burning, I mean, we love Aenea Lockwood, and piano burning felt like a thing we could accomplish, and it felt thematically appropriate to horror. And I think there's a nice little symmetry to the record that maybe we didn't consider or intend. That The very first thing you hear in the first song after the outro is one piano note in Nothing is Safe, and the very last thing you hear is that piano burning. And I've seen people write in the internet that they imagine that that's the piano we burned, which is not true, but he likes that that works. Uh, Bill Hudson also said, performing that piece, we sort of maybe unfairly cast it as a more frightening or horror-related, you know, in Aenea Lockwood's mind, burning the piano is not at all an aggressive actor of pianos, and it's not a spooky thing, I don't think. But in looking for an experimental work to perform for the end of our album, since our album was so thematically specific, the idea of ending in a fire was really just narratively such a trope in horror. It's such a common thing that a horror movie ends in a fire. Haunted house movies always end in burning the house down or something like that. Even though the piece itself is not supposed to be horror-themed, it worked for us for that reason. There's something inherently spooky in it when we uh, recontextualized it that way. Um, I'm just going to play a little bit of this because it's 18 minutes and you kind of get the gist, but just listen to this. Yeah, they quite literally mic'd up a piano that they set on fire for 18 minutes. Clipping is just so unique to me. Um, and I kind of wanted to do, I guess, like a... Uh, I don't know if it's like an honorable mention because it's not a closing track, but because their closing tracks are so... You know, there was only really the one that I had a lot to say about. Uh, there's a, a song they put out on Bandcamp that's been kind of making the rounds on uh, on TikTok, I believe. And I'm going to pull it up because it is a very good track to talk about. So they put it out on, I believe it was on Juneteenth. Um, and all of the money made from the album or whatever were, uh, were going to the NAACP. But there were two tracks, Chapter thir- 319 and Knees on the Ground. So I kind of wanted to pull up the lyrics from uh, chapter 319 because I think it's it's worth talking about. Clipping is very political, um, and this is um, – no, they talk about a lot of things in you know a political nature, but there's a lot of things in their songs that people might consider political that I don't think should be considered political, especially when talking about, I don't know, equality or basic human rights. But this song had a lot to say, and I really wanted to talk about it. because I, So I guess you could call this my closing track, honorable mention, because it's kind of a standalone thing. But this is chapter 319. Um, and so there's a, there's a sample in the intro, um, but I'm kind of going to jump right into... Um, oh, actually, no, I'm not. So the sample is from DJ Screw and Big Floyd. It's screwed up click, make the dollars fold, got them hurting boys, why I bury them over gold. So the song, has, this sample is from Big Floyd, a.k.a. George Floyd. 
that is recontextualized to call for the defunding of police, which I love. Um, that's a really the f- using that song by the man who was killed by police to talk about the defunding of the police department. But we have the first chorus from David Diggs here. Left, right, left. How long can we holler when it ain't no breath? You keep killing fathers without no regrets. Then keep on counting dollars till it ain't none left. So this is specifically um, talking to uh, about the last words of George Floyd um, when he was murdered by police. Um, in these lines, Diggs calls out the corrupt police force and how many police officers who have killed innocent civilians often go unpunished, with many officers getting only suspended with pay or fired with severance pay. Diggs also talks about how the black community have been speaking up against racial injustice and police brutality, but are quiet or made to be quiet because they are without any breath, relating back to Garner and Floyd, who were both killed by chokeholds and said they couldn't breathe. I can't breathe is, is a huge rallying cry. Um, used right now because those were quotes of men that were killed by police. Uh, then it says, so the street's going to keep on marching like left, right, left. Fuck your empty promises. These ain't no threats. Streets is taking all of it. You made your bet. Fix it. Always problems. We ain't going nowhere. Bring it straight up to your door. Now who run it, ho? Um, and that's the chorus. So that one comes back a few times. But let's get into the first verse. So a knee to the neck is this week's symbol of shit you've been reaping immediately. Super powerful line. As a reaper of police, there's no equal to the police, and they be their own sequel. It's consistently as a monster paid by the system, set up to prosper on victims of the historic situating as property. People that are melanated so easily separated know what? Fuck the history lesson you know you know by now. We do not know how. You keep playing dumb, but still be trusted with guns. You must be defunded. So I think there's, you know, there's a lot of music that's been um, used to talk about current events and the unrest and the protests um, and rioting that, that have been going on surrounding George Floyd and, and um, the killing of black people by police. But I think this song really hits a lot harder than any other music that could be put out right now talking about this because it is the most in your face and also just the most honest. Like it, it is just, it, it's unapologetic. It's saying, hey, here is what we are dealing with right now and here's how we feel and here's what we think should happen. And it's just, just explicitly saying that this is, we need to defund the police, which is something that a lot of people have a problem with. But the fact that uh, it's actually being said in a song instead of just kind of dancing around it, I really appreciate. I think it, one, it is a necessary thing we need to do. And two, I'm just glad it's being explicitly said. Um, the next line, this march is not a one-off. This march is not the mis-aimed warning shot. This march a foot in your fucking throat to cho- choke out the whole assumption that you are here to protect us. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a, a lot just in this this quick four lines here talking about this march is not a one-off. It, you know, saying that this is going to go on for a while, so you need to do something about this. And um, this whole, the, to choke out the whole assumption that you are here to protect us. First off, using choke, like using choking as like a huge theme throughout this whole song because it is what led to the movement that we have now, or at least the size of the movement that we have now. But saying, using that to say this whole assumption that you're here to protect us when they are the ones who killed them. 
And then this government doesn't respect us, and somehow they seem to expect us to accept the power a piece of shit millionaire president wants to project. Fuck are you getting at? Get the fuck back in the bunker. So the bunker thing is specifically referencing how during the protest, specifically in Washington, uh, Trump uh, was in a bunker under the White House the entire time. People were referencing people called him Bunker Boy, made fun of him for hiding out during these protests. And I just like the <laughs> get the funk back in the bunker. We take him back spaces till you manage to make them safe for black faces. That's up to the fact that America's racist. And now we have the pre-course here, which is the thing that people have been using on um, TikTok the most. It's the Donald Trump is a white supremacist, full stop. If you vote for him again, you're a white supremacist, full stop. So the way they've been using it, which I actually think is kind of clever, is they uh, use it as like a – it's been a prank for kids to like get their parents. And it starts with, please stand uh, for the national anthem, and then it plays this. So it's like all these white parents with their hand over their heart as it plays. It's kind of hysterical watching kids prank their parents into it. I do appreciate it a lot. And I can play the, 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 um, the clip here. Let me find it. So yeah, that, that second part of that pre-chorus is call it like it is and then let the rim spin till they full stop. Put one up for Big Floyd. The march is going to stop. Or not going to stop. Speaking about George Floyd. Then we have that sample from Big Floyd again and the chorus. It go left, right, left. No long can we holler when it ain't no breath. You keep killing fathers without no regrets. Then keep on counting dollars till it ain't none left. So the street's going to keep on marching like left, right, left. I think this is uh, almost this. Yeah, it's the same chorus as earlier. I was just seeing if it changed at all. And we have first verse two from David. You want a shot without being, or you want to shoot without being shot back. Got news for you. No one's really about that. Um, and it's, I think this one specifically is talking about the media's um, portrayal of these protests and speaking about how um, a lot of the time it's showing protesters as, oh, they're rioters. They're the, they're the agitators, but then you see all these clips on Twitter of police just outright attacking protesters, um, but it doesn't make it onto the media. So this whole th this whole thing of you want to shoot without being shot back is like we're gonna fight back because people have been you know throwing tear gas back or or fighting you know back against police for unjust violence. Um, and then you got the guns, but we got the shout, the vote, the mouthpiece, the clout, and the loud pack got guns too. <laughs> I like the way that closes out with the got guns too. You know. I think that specifically references maybe, you know, like Black Panther Party, the whole thing of, like, we have guns, too, and we can use them against you. You fat sale, we doubt that. Show us receipts, and we will denounce that. Take your tear gas, inhale like an ounce of that cookie cake. Your bullets all bounce. Even when they break flesh, you are not safe. We are watching every motherfucking move you make. Play it back on cameras so no one can mistake. The order of events that lead to prove another life you take. And if the verdict come back less than murder... Don't be surprised when your streets are burning. This anger ain't misplaced. It is turning cop cars t to bonfires till you learn. So I want to talk. There's a few lines in here. So the you fat sale, we doubt that. Um, the, oh, yeah. Um, show us receipts and we will denounce that. Take your tear gas, inhale it like an ounce of that cookie cake. Um, I don't know if that line is like talking about like, I, I don't know, calling cops 
fad or like just because maybe people brought them cake. I don't know what that one's referencing, but I like it. Your bullets all bounce. Even when they break flesh, you are not safe. We are watching every move you make. Play it back on camera so no one can mistake the order of events that lead to prove another life you take. And if the verdict come back less than murder, don't be surprised when your streets are burning. So I'm going to talk about it in a second, but in this pre-chorus, again, when he says that Donald Trump is a white supremacist, instead of saying put one up for Big Floyd, he says put one up for Brianna. Specifically talking about Brianna Taylor, who has been even, uh, she's been a part of the same rallying cry right now, but she's even a separate movement because the, I believe the cops uh, the involved in the George Floyd killing are being held at least a little bit more accountable than the ones that killed Brianna Taylor. She was killed in her own home while she was sleeping. Um, and those cops have not been held accountable at all. And so that's been a huge problem so far. And this whole thing of the, and if the verdict come back, less the murder, don't be surprised when your streets are burning because there's been a lot of people who have been like, Oh, well, if you riot, the point's not going to, you know, you're not going to do anything or whatever, but it's like, but if nobody's going to charge anybody for a crime, even when people are peacefully protesting, I think people have a right to riot (laughs) in response to that. Um, This anger ain't misplaced. It is turning cop cars to bonfires till you learn. And then this bridge. If you profit off this system, you should make them dollars fold in the pockets that don't fund the death of black people. This whole fucking country about the money. So watch where your money go. Let them know that we are watching how they roll. And then, like I said, the pre-chorus that Donald Trump is a white supremacist, but then swap it with Brianna. But there's also a line in here that says, America can be better, but we must call it out till it till it full stop. And then the chorus is the same of the left, right, left, and then the sample from uh, Big Floyd again. Um, I know this song this song is a little bit more intense than a, a lot of other music I've talked about or even just some of these concepts might make you a little uncomfortable if you're just listening for music's sake. Um, but if you were listening and you started hearing what I was saying or, or what I was conveying, you you know, I, I feel like you should have known to maybe click out if you disagreed because you don't have to listen. Um, it's just, there's a lot going on in this country right now that is not right, that people need to be speaking up about, doing something about, and especially if I'm going to talk about an artist on here that is so vocal and so passionate about these issues that I am also quite passionate about, I think I should give them, instead of just talking about, because those, those four closing tracks that I talked about, there are other clipping songs even within Splendor and Misery and their existent addiction to blood that talk about um, police brutality or other political er, police brutality is not a political issue. I know people like to make it one, but they talk about other issues in the, in the country right now. But those closing tracks I talked about don't really touch on those problems. So I thought it was important to include a track that does and one that's been getting some, some airplay and also David Diggs is, um, probably more popular than ever right now. He's been around for a while, but with the, the Hamilton um, live recording on Disney+, Plus, a lot of people are either rediscovering or discovering Hamilton for the first time and realizing that he's one of the best parts of that show. And so they're you know seeking out more information about him, seeing what else he does, and so they're finding clipping. And, and I think that this is an important song to talk about, especially because it's not on streaming service. It's on Bandcamp. So you have to seek it out a little bit harder than a lot of people are usually willing to do. Um, but yeah, always check out. Um, if you have a favorite artist and you think they're, and 
check out their band camp because chances are there's stuff on there that's not on normal streaming services. There's a lot of artists that do that. Um, it's a separate platform they like to use. But yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it for clipping. Um, like I said, if you enjoy his, uh, I mean, his charisma is one of the best parts about him on Hamilton, but his rapping ability is also in, obviously in full display in his own music. So you, you get a lot of that there. Um, but yeah, that's 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 all I have from clipping. Definitely check them out if you haven't already. Um, chances are you might know a little bit about them, so d- dive a little bit deeper. And there is so much more just in terms of songs, and then also just concept in these albums that I didn't even touch on because I couldn't because of the only the closing tracks I spoke about. Um, I think that the one off of Splendor and Misery is the most substantive, obviously, because it has <laughs> lyrics. Um, but it is a very strong, moving closing track on its own right as well not just because it's based on a very strong concept album. So, yeah. Um, that's pretty much it for today. Uh, check out the socials, um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're all linked in the description. Um, check out the Patreon. Like I said, that there will be exclusive bonus full album discussions on there. Definitely check those out. Um, I don't know when they'll be out or if they are out by now. They might be. Depends on my editing ability. We'll see. Um but yeah, I'm going to put some other stuff on there too. If you're watching this on YouTube, um, subscribe, like, leave a comment, do whatever you want. Um, like I said, be on the lookout for new content. I'm getting to it whenever I get this show fully rolling and on the floor. Um, if you're listening, check out the YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube and you're like, man, I, I maybe I want to listen to this somewhere else. It's on most of your podcast listening platforms, so definitely check that out. But yeah, I think that's uh, pretty much all I have today. Thank you so much for joining me. And uh, goodbye.